You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. We're thinking about things Jesus never said that are kind of like in the culture that we might believe unconsciously because they're just kind of like uh, out there, whether you've heard them um, in school or on a TV commercial or like even in church somewhere. Um, there's a lot of like cultural beliefs that um, that I think we just kind of walk around believing. And so we want to have this season to sort of critically test them out and get free of like the misunderstandings um, and the ideas about God that might not actually be true. So this, try this one out for tonight. It's, uh, have you ever heard the phrase, hate the sin, love the sinner? Yeah, well, it's, it's a tough one. But um, I'm, I'm trying to see the nugget of, of truth in all of them. So I can say I appreciate this one for its attempt to help people not just hate the sinner, because I think that's kind of what um, people are prone to do. And this phrase seems to be trying to correct the problem of hate and judgment a little bit, um, because we know it's so easy to blame and judge and just focus on, like, who and what is wrong all the time. And I could really see this happening, like playing out on my block this week. Um, I have this dear neighbor who gets easily identified as a sinner because um, she does things wrong that annoy people. Uh, Like she put her regular trash in some other neighbor's recycling bin this week. And there are, they are really particular about their recycling. They are serious about it. And they left her a very explicit note on her porch about never doing that again. And then she stole some cleaning supplies from Tim at the corner store. And when I walked in to get a soda one day, like everybody in the corner store was hearing about it. It's a lot easier to identify someone like this as, as a sinner than it is to understand why they might be doing what they do, right? And to help them actually try to change. So I think this phrase is at least trying to um, do something positive by saying don't just identify people by their sins. One of the original expressions of the phrase came from St. Augustine, who... Um, you probably heard of him from the 5th century. Um, he's a North African theologian and leader in the church. And he wrote these words to a group of nuns in the context of ne- never looking at a man so as to entice them when they were outside of the cloister. That's a little spicy meatball that we might address later. <laughs> but... Then Gandhi got closer to, I think, the, the more common understanding of this phrase in his autobiography when he said, hate the sin and not the sinner is a precept which, though easy enough to understand, it's rarely practiced. And that's why the poison of hatred spreads in the world. 
It's quite proper to resist and attack a system, but to resist and attack its author is tantamount to resisting and attacking oneself. So he's helping us understand the problem in the phrase a little bit better by saying, by pointing out that if we attack and judge at all and hate at all, it's, it affects us. It's kind of, it kind of come comes back on ourselves in some way. And I think that's true because it's all connected. If we hate, it affects us. We're in conflict. But it's hard because it's just so easy to obsess about what's wrong with everything, right? Or what's missing um, with ourselves or others or who's messing up. Um, because sin, I, I think, is just so familiar. It really is like a web. Um, think about the news and the tabloids and our call-out culture. We're just um, in it. I was thinking watching Saturday Night Live skits last night um, with a family that if people were asked what they're interested in on Family Feud, Steve Harvey would have to put up sin, even though people might use a different word for it. Because, um, you know, it's it, we're, we're just kind of obsessed with it as people. Um, I think Christians get a bad rap for being obsessed with sin, but I think what's wrong about the world and ourselves is a distraction for everybody. Um, people often want me to agree with them about how terrible they are. And, and, and many pastors will happily do this, like in every sermon, just make people aware of how much, you know, how much they need God, how terrible it's this, it's this kind of worm theology that has seeped into the church, and I just re refuse to go all the way with that because I don't think it's what Jesus is doing. Um, but it is often what people are interested in, you know, how terrible the world is and how terrible we all are. The pastors did a video this week uh, on the real question, do I have to feel terrible about myself to be a Christian? Because um, I guess Christian kind of, Christians kind of get this reputation um, and my cell wanted to talk about it too. Like, why are we so condemning of ourselves? And one of my favorite writers, Anne Lamott, describes herself as an insecure narcissist. And I think a lot of us can probably agree with that. Like, she describes always feeling caught between, or often feeling caught between those two extremes of, of feeling like a total worm or... God's gift to the planet. So I think we need a we need more than a, a little corrective statement about the problem of sin. We need more than hate the sin, love the sinner. Um, we need a whole new theology. We need a total overhaul. Hating the sin but loving the sinner still hangs on to the hate, and that's bad for us. So how do we get rid of it? Well, I think that we need to recognize that our actions are connected. They're fundamentally, ontologically connected to who we are. We can't, we can't um, bifurcate the conversation. Hate the sin, loves the sinner makes it sound like we could separate the human into being and action. 
And th that is a Greek idea that seeped into the church. Um, but that kind of dissection is, is problematic, I think. Our material selves are part of ourselves. We see this in, in the revelation of, of the person of Jesus Christ. He was a person. Um, and what he did mattered. So our actions matter too. And so it's impossible to separate the sin from the sinner without some kind of disembodiment, which I think is like perfect to talk about around Halloween. Um, but we're not zombies. And if we try to live um, compartmentalized lives, we know that we have problems. Um, I was reading an article this week on the effects of keeping secrets on the brain. I wanted to see if scientists were like actually studying this, and they totally are. Um, it 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 uh, puts your amygdala on overdrive, so you're more irritable, and you're you're quick to drop into that fight or flight or freeze mode. And your hippocampus in the back there is compromised due to the stress of excessive cortisol, so memory and learning and the immune system actually get compromised. This is this is if you try to keep like a big bag secret, you can't tell anybody. Um, and finally, your prefrontal cortex is not really um, engaged because you're in this survival state, like some people call it critter state or, or reptile brain. Um, so your ability to communicate and collaborate and innovate, basically to like be your, your full self, is totally ramped down. So it's not good to try to divide ourselves up. I, I don't think it can be done very well. So that, that whole thought, theology, hate the sin, love the sinner, it's like kind of impossible. Our systems, biologically, psychologically, emotionally, are all connected. And it's all spiritual. We, I, I love that one of our proverbs is that we've repented of separating the sacred and the secular. It, it was a dumb idea. We all, everything, everything matters, and it's all spiritual, because we're spiritual and we matter. Um, and I think more and more people know this because we're seeing kind of this expansion of scientific rationalism in, in the culture with this like um, interest in the paranormal. And I think not just around Halloween. I think, you know, tons of millennials use tarot cards and. Um, see psychics and other stuff that I think is generally silly, but it reveals this desire and this awareness for the connection of all things that I think Jesus makes real. So hate the sinner, hate the sin, love the sinner isn't good enough because it separates and divides. And we literally don't work that way. God loves and embraces our whole selves in the person of Jesus, sin and all. God loves and embraces our whole selves in the person of Jesus, sin and all. And we do things for a reason, even our sin. And God cares about all of it. And all of it can be used for good. 
So I want to give you two scriptures that show how Jesus does this, how he is the remedy for this separation from ourselves and others that we might try to do, and how he offers a better prescription for how to view ourselves and others that is beyond this kind of renunciation or avoidance of the stuff that we don't like. First, he makes us new. Um, this isn't just a corrective or a Band-Aid, um, like hate the sin, love the sinner, to help us focus on like positive, the positive side of something. It's, it's a total reordering of the cosmos by grace. By the death and resurrection of Christ, you are made new. You are eternal. Somebody, we just have to read the verse out loud. Can somebody read it to us? So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away, and everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciled the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them, and trusting the message of reconciliation. Thanks, Alex. So th those like hell-bent, rebellious ways in us that we don't like are no longer in charge. That's what Jesus is saying. We are no longer slaves to those ways. They are subject to the healing love of God that is more powerful than all the systems of punishment and judgment and even justice in the world. There's a new, there's a new justice at play here, and it's love. We are friends again, even with ourselves. Marguerite reminded me this weekend that the word reconciliation means friends again. And so this coming together, this radical but gentle reintegration is made possible um, within ourselves, within the body, with each other, and with others in the world. It's wild, but everything that we have been through that has hurt us can even be used for good. Even our sin now can show us how we long for more of God in particular ways, each of us, how, how we're we're actually aiming at what is good, even when we sin. And we need the help of the Spirit to get there, to keep remembering us together. Jesus gives us this really clear alternative to, to the phrase, love the sin, hate the sinner, in his first big speech. Um, and I want to bring this this in because uh, we don't want to just think about what Jesus didn't say. We want to think about what he actually said. Um, and you can read it behind me. Essentially, he says, stop judging each other because none of you can see very clearly. You, you all have big planks sticking out of your eyes. Talk about a hallelujah. Big planks 
in our eyes. And so how could we even try to diagnose the, the splinters in somebody else's eyes? He's, he's saying stop doing eye surgery when you're actually blind. Don't look at the speck. Look at the eye and help it to see the new creation. Look at the eye and help it to see the new creation. And when we see it together, we can praise the Lord. I think some Christians think that that first part there to not you can not to judge anybody is like so scary because it leaves us with no accountability system. Um, and I get that. But I think that the best means of accountability and personal transformation is seeing ourselves as that new creation. It, it is believing Jesus about this and going for it, going for the ideal of it even, rather than trying to correct the not ideal. That's We, we can leave that to God. And then Jesus shows us the way to be the new creation here in the second part. He says, keep seeking me. This is an ongoing thing. We, we get to keep learning here. Keep seeking me, asking for what you need, and trusting me to help you like the good parent that I am. It's really only love that can transform us. And you guys probably all know this based on like, what has actually gotten through to you? What has actually helped you to ever change? I doubt it was um, just feeling some judgment from somebody or from God. It's love that actually changes us. And that's why God's big solution for sin, for the sin problem, for the fear problem, for the lack of trust problem is self-giving love. That's why one of our Proverbs is that self-giving love loosens the truth locked in our desires. We don't have to totally distance ourselves even from our sin patterns because they usually reveal something about what we're really going for. Um, I'm not saying it's, it's okay to, to be stuck in them. We can't, like, like our litany said, we cannot use our it's not right to use our freedom um, to keep on sinning. But we can, we can look at them um, because we're safe and loved enough to actually do that. You know, shame would keep us just hit hiding. Shame keeps us from confession. It keeps us stuck in those patterns. But knowing that God is this loving parent that really fully knows and accepts us, can help us to discover what we're really looking for in those life-diminishing life habits and grow out of them. For example, if you're prone to sexual sin, I think you're probably longing for intimacy with God and with others, and that's a really good thing to long for. If you're prone to dissipation with alcohol or drugs, you're probably looking for real rest and joy, and a contemplative prayer practice might help you. If you're prone to anger, there's probably some real hurt and fear underneath there that needs to be touched by love. I keep learning in parenting 
that calling out the best in my kids, you know, telling them what's good in them is like way better, way more effective than shaming them for what's not ideal. And they would be the first to tell you right now that I don't do this perfectly. Um, but I do rely on the fact all the time that this is how God loves me in Christ. I don't need to impress God with my awareness of how bad I am. Um, I used to try that with my mentor all the time. I would like long laments about how I don't measure up. And he would say, okay, when are you actually going to get saved? When, you know, in other words, it's nice that you're so humble and self-aware about how broken you are. But when are you actually going to trust God about the new creation that you are too? And, and let yourself feel that a little bit. So I think it doesn't serve us or God to posture around either about our, our neediness um, or our self-reliance and just apply these little band-aids to our egos. I think we can ask for the total overhaul that we need. Like every day, I have to do that and move in the grace we've been given. One of my cellmates is kind enough to tell us about her conversations with God that she often has. And one of the things she's been hearing that takes her by surprise every time is she hears the Holy Spirit say to her, I'm proud of you. And every time she hears it, she's like, why? That's her response. And she feels like the Spirit says back to her, because you didn't have to do that. You could have made a different choice. And, and I think that's true. That's, how, that's the reparenting that Jesus is talking about. We, it's never forceful. We always have a choice because of the resurrection. And I think it might help us in our choices if we could realize God's compassion on us and how we're wired and everything we've been through. Not judgment. You know, when I'm feeling like an insecure narcissist, worried about my own sins or other people's sins, I just try to pray, help. Lord, have mercy. Um, help me to see the new creation. I think we really need to give ourselves some space in those moments to seek the compassion and the, and the love of God. So in response to that, our, our little statement for the week, hate, hate the sin, love the sinner. God doesn't hate. I, I can't find that in the person of Jesus. God loves everything into its fullness. Our systems of justice and punishment are so tiny compared to the mercy of God. We don't need to separate from ourselves, from ourselves or from others, because everything can be used for good for those that love him. Let me pray for us, and then we can talk back. Jesus, this is um, a great mystery that you've offered to us. And we need your help to keep living into it. This freedom, 
Um, it seems wild because we could keep messing up and we probably will. So we need to know ourselves as the new creation that you've made and we need to know how beloved we are. So help us tonight and all this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.